guys, so this is Florence, and unfortunately Kia couldn't make it to this episode, but I have some really great content for you guys, and so we'll begin. This is Melanin. In, in medicine. medicine. Oh, yay. So today, I ha we have on the show my sister, her name's Dillis, and her boyfriend, Aquesi, and they're both med students at um, Medical College of Georgia. Is that the name? Mm -hmm. yes. They change it every like yeah. two years, yeah. so I had to verify. But they're both M1s there, so we'll probably talk about their experiences through medical school and different questions for them. Um, so do you guys want to start by introducing yourselves? All right, you can begin. I can go first. Um, so my name's Dillis. Um, I graduated from Emory University in Atlanta um, this past May. And um, I started at MCG in what, August? Yep. Um, so I've been in Augusta, Georgia ever since then. Um, so I guess they would call me what, a traditional student. Um, I decided to go straight through. Um, I guess at the time I just thought that was the best decision for me. I didn't really wanna do any more research outside of medical school. And I didn't really wanna like work or anything, so yeah. And I'm a Quasi. I go by Quasi. Um, graduated in 2017 from Georgia Tech. And I took two years off, actually. So I began this past August as well, alongside Dillis. And um, during those two years off, I worked and did a research year at the NIH. And that was a really rewarding experience. Got to learn more about what science outside of the field of medicine entails and um, how to progress medicine through um, lab work. So that was ver a very interesting time period. And yeah, I'm happy to be here as well. Yay. Okay, awesome. So as we go through the show, we'll kind of get some more about their experiences and backgrounds and answer some of the questions that you guys had. Um, so to start off with, we have our hidden Jemisons. And you guys know, as most of the time when we have guests come on the show, we have them give us quotes that they live by. So do you guys want to start with your quotes? Yeah, you can start this time. Okay. I think, I think the one I always keep in my head for anything, not even just medicine alone, is um, comparison is the thief of joy. Okay. Uh, I, I like to keep that one in my back pocket because whenever you're in these fields or actually in any, any aspect of life, it's just easier. It's more mentally rewarding to just focus on your own lane and what you're doing and try to, um, I guess, make sure that you're doing what you're uh, setting your goals to to the best of your abilities and not always comparing with others because that can also sometimes cloud your enjoyment and what you're doing and your own joy so yeah comparison is a thief of joy oh i love that because i feel like in this field too it's like really hard not to compare yourself to like your classmates or you hear someone's like studying 10 pop or i heard they were studying earlier today and i heard you guys say someone in your class is always like posting about like snapping or yeah. stuff and it, makes, yeah. it makes you feel bad so that's that's good that you remind yourself of that often mm -hmm. um so yeah great quote quote um loved that <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually? <laughs> I did, I did. I feel like, um, especially being an M1, you feel like you want to compare yourself to everyone, but you got to focus on your own journey. But yeah, I was going to say, um, and too, I guess, um, we're, I guess, I don't know if you guys knew, but I'm Ganyan, so is my sister, because we're sisters. But Aquasi <laughs> <laughs> is Ganyan too. It's so the most I name there is. Aquasi. <laughs> Yeah, Quesi's Tuesday. Born on Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> um, he's born on Sunday, guys. Um, mm -hmm. 
So, um, I feel like us being African too, you know, we all grew up with our parents calling each other's parents and being like, so my daughter just became the next president and you're Mm -hmm. just like, I definitely am 12. (laughs) So that's a, I I feel that quote. Me too. Thank you. Um, okay. But yeah, so my quote is greatness is exposed in places we are underestimated. And this is just something that resonates with me because I feel like as a black woman in medicine, you know, no one really expects us to be in this field. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when I go to the hospital, people will be like, oh, are you a nursing student? Like the fact that like it's like Mm. unfathomable to like think that a black woman could even be um, a physician is like crazy to some people. So um just even going back to Aquesi's quote about like comparing yourself to other people and I feel like a lot of med students go through like imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and um definitely another hurdle for black students is just sitting in a classroom and seeing like barely anyone that looks like you but just knowing that um you can do it and you're you are supposed to be here and no matter who believes if you can do it or not like as long as you know that um you'll always make it through the journey. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like it. And (laughs) like what you were saying, I think it's too, like, it's just hard to remind yourself. Do you guys have ways that you, like, keep yourself going? Because I know sometimes, like, if it's, it's hard to, like, be who you are and then people constantly like the majority in the class like constantly make you feel like you shouldn't be there and Mm -hmm. like what do you guys do to remind yourself like hey like I'm supposed to be here I'm meant to be here like what they're saying isn't true like Mm -hmm. what do you guys do do you guys have any um I feel like I'm a like very outspoken person in the sense that even when people do try to make me feel like that in small groups um and things like that trying to talk over you or look at you like who does this girl think she is she doesn't know what she's talking about like I will talk over you because if I'm right like I know I'm right (laughs) (laughs) and I have my lecture notes to back it up you know and like um we're all learning the same material so for me um I'm not gonna let like someone in the room kind of look down on me and think that because I'm a black woman like I don't know as much as they do so I don't know I don't let people make me feel insecure because I'm like if I've studied and I've put in the work um just because I look the way I do doesn't mean you know it better than me Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and just to continue off of that I think that's a really good point is like understanding that um you earned your place there uh that admissions committee they that that's their nine to five job they spend years um some of them even decades just looking at different applications looking at what people have done so the fact that you get the acceptance letter i mean just proves in and of itself that you belong there mm-hmm. they didn't just gift you um an acceptance because uh, no one wants to have an md who was just like given the path you know not no one who didn't earn it um, but I think something that grounds me or keeps me grounded from the imposter syndrome is just finding a group of friends or like a group of um, people that share the same interests or at least common backgrounds. Um, we have friends in med school who didn't come from the most affluent backgrounds or um, even from the best schools, but they're doing just as well, if not even better mm-hmm. than some of our other classmates. And just um, being close with people like that and seeing that you're not the only one who may be experiencing the imposter syndrome um, is a good way to um, 
I guess, give you some sort of perspective as to the, um, I guess, the sentiment of like, oh, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Or oh, um, maybe these other students are smarter than me. And I mean, if you are, like I said, going back to the earlier quote, comparison is a thief of joy. If you know you're honestly putting in 100% effort to the uh, tests that are given to you and you are actively doing well in all the courses, um, you're involved in extracurriculars and you know that you are, you're just part of the medical school community and actively participating, not even participating, actively thriving in the community, then, you know, there's nothing really, no external source that should be telling you that you don't belong there because you've earned your way there and you're still doing well or mm-hmm. are, are thriving. So mm-hmm. just keeping that perspective and trying to be around others who may share the same background is mm-hmm. what has helped me. Oh, I love you guys. That was great. <laughs> um, okay, well, that was kind of part of the stepping stones, but let's we'll back it up a little bit and do our Mahoney messages, and then we'll get into our stepping stones. So we had um, one of our listeners who's emailed us in the past. She emailed us um, letting us know that she got into four of the med schools that she applied to. So Key and I just wanted to say congratulations and shout you on the podcast and um continue your journey through medical school and if you ever need any other advice feel free to email us or message us on instagram we're always here as support and guidance and that goes to all of our listeners too if you need us to read your i know a couple of you have sent us your personal statements to look over and um it's kind of busy right now but we'll definitely get to them so keep those emails coming and again the email is melanin in medicine at gmail.com so we'll jump into our stepping stone. Um, so the first stepping stone I had for you guys, hold on two seconds, was, okay, I guess you guys kind of touched on this a little bit, but what was y'all's like individual journeys through medical school? Like what um, you guys kind of said, like where you went to undergrad, but did you, what, what did you guys do you felt like got you to medical school? Mm-hmm. Um. So I was a student athlete all four years at Emory and that honestly made like, I guess, keeping my grades up and studying for the MCAT like super tough. Um, It kind of forced me to be really dedicated in everything that I did and I always had to have like a balance. Um, So I definitely feel like my participation in that is kind of like one of the driving forces that got me here. Is just kind of like the amount of like dedication to a daily schedule and that's kind of something that you need in medical school as well um so yeah just being a student athlete and just kind of like the mentorship that i had around me um a lot of my friends were pre-med and i had friends in other fields too and i was just always supported by like super strong dedicated black women you know i had my older sister as well who was always Oh, like <laughs> you think I'm strong and inspiration <laughs> um but yeah I I don't know I went back and forth between um going straight through and not wanting to go straight through but at the end of the day I I was doing some like lab work in an evolutionary bio lab and um that was like a great experience for me as well but it kind of made me realize that I kind of am more interested in clinical research but I didn't really feel like I wanted to do it outside of medical school. I was just ready to kind of like jump in. Um, so yeah, I guess. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be hard to <laughs> follow after that. Um, I think with my experiences, uh, when I went into undergrad, I 
medicine was in the back of my mind, but it wasn't certain, something I was certain of. Um, at Georgia Tech, most people aren't pre-med, probably like 10% of the class or the entire school is pre-med, if not less. And um, you get to like really experience other fields of science and there's computer science, engineering, um, even pub like business public. There's so much things or so many other things that are like are done really well um, and or provided really well in the other in, the, in our school so just being able to I guess see different experiences I was able to understand that I naturally enjoyed science and it was something I wanted to do and being par um, particularly curious person I always um, try to explore different options and different um, opportunities throughout school um, I joined AMSA just to see more so like what the what does AMSA stand for? Oh, AMSA stands for the American Medical Student Association, I think. Okay. Uh, I've never heard of that. I don't think Emory had that. Yeah. Yeah, and it was more so a generalized clubs for pre-meds. And after a semester of it, I actually realized it wasn't something for me. It was <laughs> very cutthroat. Um, the students seemed um, just not, no, not to talk down on the club or anything. Just it seemed more so like um, people were doing it for their resume and not because they were passionate about it. Um after that first experience, I sort of tried to figure out what I did like in um, the field of medicine at that time. So there was another organization and that's where the story is going to lead is going to uh, I'm just going to talk about how like I bounced from like one organization to the next or one experience to the next and really found my passion within medicine through these experiences in undergrad. Um, but going back to the next organization, I was a part of a student hospital connections. And in that organization, they um, would pair you with a specific hospital location in Georgia since, uh, or in Atlanta, since Georgia Tech is in Midtown Atlanta. And you would be able to like actually volunteer and shadow doctors in um, either Grady or the Atlanta Medical Center. And fun fact is my birth hospital is Grady. So I put that on my application when I applied and they matched me at Grady. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to um, volunteer in the NICU, the burn unit, um, the actual, the regular ICU and just see uh, like a myriad of things and just different conditions of people. I remember just being in a burn unit and like this one patient was like somebody I wrote about in my personal statement because it was like the first intersection where I saw like humility and like medical care being just given for a patient. And he was a homeless patient who ended up, who came in with burns for some apparent reason. And just being able to see him leave the hospital just um, drove my curiosity for medicine. So through that, I just tried different avenues of medicine. I was a, um, able to later on volunteer at the CDC, um, do public health research as well at Morehouse College and just really gauge what I really liked in medicine and realize that I really liked working with underserved populations. So just to like cut the long story short, more so um, a variety of experiences uh, um, led me to realizing that medicine was something I wanted to pursue. Yes, I love that. I think like this field is so unique just because everyone's journey to medical school is so different. And I think that's one thing that with how busy we get as medical students in the books and all that time, I feel like sometimes we forget our journeys mm -hmm. to medical school. And I feel like we often like forget why we're here sometimes. So I think sometimes it's good to like remember mm -hmm. what we're doing it for. So mm -hmm. I love like I did not answer the question properly. <laughs> Told this beautiful story. <laughs> no, that was fine. like um, I was an athlete. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was fine. So um, one thing I know Dillis wanted to touch on is the difference between going straight through medical school and taking a couple years off. Because me and Aquesti both 
took a couple years off and mm-hmm. Dillis went straight through. Um, mm-hmm. and I think you, you can go ahead. You wanted to give your opinion yeah. on that and how you feel. Yeah. So, um, honestly, I feel like the reason I decided to go straight through was, um, around the time, like I was having to apply or decide if I even wanted to start my AMCAS. Um, I knew that I wanted to do medicine. Like I a hundred percent knew, um, that that was the career I wanted to pursue. Um, and nothing else like caught my eye. And I think what really like solidified my decision to like become a physician was the summer after my sophomore year, I had the opportunity to shadow abroad. And so I not only got to like be immersed in Spanish culture, I was in Spain, um, in Galicia and I got to, um, shadow like doctors in all types of specialties and um I think one of the last rotations I shadowed a pediatric allergist and he just had like so much compassion for his patients and a lot of times they didn't comply with the immunotherapy that he was giving them but he was still so patient he was so kind and he never let his work burn him out and I was like wow like I want to help people the way this man is helping people and I got to see a pediatric oncologist and just see like how his patients would break down and he would just have the power and ability to comfort them and tell them that we would get through this and as someone who has had like cancer directly affect my family and being born in a third world country I have a lot of um, family members who have succumbed to illnesses when they didn't have to Um, just a combination of like that background and then getting to see it up close and personal in like a completely different country on top of um, the experience I had seen in America as well. I was like, this is definitely the field for me. So by like the end of junior year, I was like, I know a hundred percent that I'm applying, (laughs) but fast forward to now. um, Sometimes I, I wouldn't say I regret going straight through. Um, (laughs) I'm happy with my decision, but I will say that medical school is 110% sacrifice. Um, You do sacrifice a lot of things. Like you're going to miss weddings. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss vacations. You're going to miss celebrations. And, you know, sometimes you do need to log out of Instagram and not see your friends. Not saying nine to fives are not difficult. I feel like the first year out of college is a learning curve for everyone. But just having the ability to like travel and like go see your other friends and you're like sitting at 2 a.m. like head buried (laughs) in your iPad and your textbook just like when is this gonna end? (laughs) (laughs) And too it's it's, because I I feel like this too like I feel like when you're in medical school like your life is kind of on hold like everyone else like once you graduate you can you do you are working but you can be like okay i'm going on this vacation this time and i'm doing this but in medical school like the medical school is your life like they if they say be like during we'll talk more about covid as we get through the episode but if they said they said come here take this test at nine you get up you take the test at nine like you really can't be like your schedule revolves around the medical school and i think that's the hardest thing to realize like you're studying, you're stressed, you're tired, mm-hmm. your friends are, they're stressed and tired too, but it's just, it's like a different it's a feeling. Experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, medical school is like a 24-7 commitment. Like, if I could study from 
9 to 5 p.m. and have the rest of my evening, I would literally, like, <laughs> I mean, everybody could do it, you know? It wouldn't be as hard as everyone says. Um, but it is a 24-7 commitment, and it's like when the alarm goes off at 6 a.m. and you feel like you've literally slept for two minutes and you got to drag <laughs> yourself and do the same thing again. Sometimes I have wonder if I had, like, taken a year out and, like, worked a 9 to 5 worked in a lab or um, scribed or something and like kind of got to see what it was like to be a 21, 22 year old, like not in such like an, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Intense, like course, like, mm. I don't know, like what I have felt like more refreshed, like coming into med school, but yeah. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> that's actually that's actually really good but how do you feel questy i don't know so i took two years off um unintentionally when i applied the first round i didn't get in so um i had to do what most people who don't get in do just try to revamp my application and figure out what didn't go right the first time um that included retaking the mcat um taking uh the risk to move up from atlanta georgia all the way to baltimore maryland um, for a job offer at the NIA, National Institute on Aging, to do research there. And um, I would say that taking that time off from undergrad into medical school was what I feel like um, was the best thing I could have done for myself. I knew for certain when I was an undergrad that I would at least take one year off because there was no way I could come from Georgia Tech and go straight through <laughs> no. to medical school and not crash within maybe like the first semester. So I know I needed that break from just an academic setting and just to work um, a regular job. Um, and I didn't mention this earlier, but when I said I worked the first year off, I was working actually at a contact lens company in quality control with my uh, biochem degree. And it was it was an interesting perspective to like work um, in the professional world and see how some people really don't enjoy their jobs and they're just mm. doing it. Mm more so because it's where they're at in life right now and it's kind of hard to make the next move or to transition so like um just having that perspective is something that's invaluable i think i would have not been able to realize that if i would come straight from georgia tech to medical school i mean in those environments you just have people who are just on the fast track to success and they're very competitive and they know what they want out of life but seeing um others who may not have what they want or um more so just complacent in life really, I guess, gave me the uh, um, the viewpoint that it's a blessing to right now be in this field mm -hmm. to pursue what I actually want to do and to be able to help people in the greatest capacity that I can do with this um, education that we're currently going through. Um, so I guess the biggest thing for me during my time off was perspective and even working at the NIA, I mean, it was a nine to five lab job. So after that, after I leave work, that was the end of work. <laughs> there was nothing mm -hmm. to come home and do. Um, I would be able to relax with my friends or, um, you know, call my family or just live like a regular or a quote unquote regular person or a regular adult would live like <laughs> with a nine to five. And just being able to see these different perspectives was very good. Um, during this time off when I wasn't really bombarded with academic pressure, but being in medical school now, uh, as I previously alluded to, has shown me that like I am able to pursue what I want to now because um with that perspective I have, I uh, know how much of a blessing it is now. So I, if anyone is thinking about taking time off for any particular reason, I would not argue against it. I think it's something that can only help you and um, 
I mean, mezcals love to see maturity as well. Mm-hmm. So just making sure that you use that time wisely to um, personally grow in any field of, um, or any aspect of your life. It doesn't even have to be academically or resume. Like it could just be spending more time with family or um, getting to figure out your true interest outside of, um, I guess, school and work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of taking time off. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone, um, I don't know if me and Key have talked about this, but if you're someone who wants to take time off, but then you're nervous, like, what if I don't go back? Like I get comfortable working this job. I think I would just like, before you do that, like have a plan, like make yes. sure you're like, okay, like I'm going to take time off this year. I'm going to do this. Maybe the second mm-hmm. year I will take my MCAT just so you can keep yourself accountable. Cause mm-hmm. I know like mm-hmm. once you get out of school, it is very difficult to yeah. go back mm-hmm. and get back into the studying and routine of school. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah definitely to supplement that. It's very tempting to be making 50, 60, 70K even a year and realize that, oh, I'm about to go back into debt. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So like what she said, it's very imp- imperative that you have like a plan because um, it's easy to get complacent as I was alluding to some previous coworkers. Yeah, I was like, I, I know <laughs> me too. I definitely, because I worked in a lab um, and I definitely had some coworkers who did, they just got so comfortable and... Mm. I think for me, I'm just, like, not a comfortable person. So, like, mm-hmm. why'd you guys look like that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just, like, a very, like, to the schedule type of person. So, type I'm... A. Yeah, I'm very type A. Um, so, for me, like, that, there was no doubt about that I was going to go back. But I just had all these coworkers around me who would sit there and complain about working here. And I'm like, but you guys had these visions before like why didn't you go back so just make sure you have a plan or like have people to keep you accountable like so that they know like make sure you express your passions with people so that they can make sure you go back (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i'm also i think i've said it in other episodes i'm a proponent of taking time off too so cool so our next um question is um we could do dating in med school I don't know if we alluded to this, but they're dating. (laughs) Juicy details. (laughs) I guess, do you guys want to talk about, like, I guess your relationship, how you met, how dating is in med school, Hmm. maintaining balancing? So we met um, actually over the summer. So MCG offers, I'm sure a lot of medical schools do this, but... We have like a summer pre-matriculation program um, for minority and non-traditional students. And it's just kind of to get like acclimated. And that's actually where I met like all of my closest friends. Um, Akwesi actually didn't do the program, but he had met like a few of our friends who were in the program before. And I think we had all like hung out one night and I met him over the summer. And I was like, oh, there's someone Ganyan in our class. That's cool. (laughs) Um... And then, I don't know, he just kind of, like, blended into our friend group eventually, so... Forced my way. Forced, yeah. Oh, <laughs> a lot his watching. way. They no, not that we didn't want you, but I know a lot of people at our school kind of feel salty about prematric because it, like... Oh, our school, too. Yeah. There's so many people, like, the first day, I remember I had, like, my OneNote and, like, my Blackboard thing. Yeah. Everyone was like, why does mine not look like yours? And mm-hmm. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Cause pretty much, you be getting the plugs, you be getting all the secrets and tips, like yeah, everything early, um, yeah. And not on top of that, like the social bond, like we were in a classroom together for six hours over the summer for six weeks every day. Like 
obviously those are gonna be my closest friends. So I know a lot of people who don't do it feel a little left out, but Aquesti was still able to claw his way in <laughs> to our friend group. And yeah, that's basically how we met. And I guess dating in med school, I would say is, honestly, it's probably like anyone in the adult world. Like everyone's busy. It's not like college where like, Netflix can, and chill. Yeah, not Netflix and chill, <laughs> but it's like y'all you have more time. Chill? Yeah, we do, but it's like you can have. Oh my gosh, y'all, y'all's minds. But um, it's not like college where like you can. Oh, let's go to this bowling alley for three hours, and then let's go to this move. Oh, there's yeah. this alpha party. Oh, let's go do this, go do that. It's just you have to kind of be. With the campus? There's nothing. I'm going to those too. But like, I don't know. I just felt like in college on the weekends, like the night was. What what do they say? It's still like young. You, the no, night I think is still you young. can't in college. You don't have to plan it. Yeah. Like on a Friday night, like you could be like, "What's the move? Like, where are we yeah. going? Like, what's up?" And you yeah. just have time, you know. But in med school, that's not the case. Like, I don't even think we we didn't go on our first date for like the longest time, and it's yeah. not even I remember like you texting me and be like, "We finally went on our first date." I know. <laughs> I like, and it's like so trifling, but it's like it's not his fault. It's not like. <laughs> He wasn't doing the right things. I couldn't go either. <laughs> if, he asked, of court yeah. if he asked, I would have said no. I'm going to the anatomy lab. Leave me alone. Well, that's a good thing you say anatomy lab. That's a good transition because that's how, I feel like that's how I really met you. Like, it was oh, like really? through friend groups. It was like, um, that we would, it was like indirectly. Y'all, she doesn't even know how they met. Yeah, she doesn't. <laughs> yes, well, well, there's no... Question, there's, tell there's, them. Tell them how y'all there's, 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 there's there's how there's we no, got to know. Yeah, there's no direct okay. one date as to yeah. like when we met. Like the, I, the what she alluded to earlier was true. Like we, did, <laughs> we did a meet that night. Over the summer. Yeah, over the summer. But um, I... Like, as you said, I got I to know... See, sorry, you explain things like our dad. <laughs> I know! I no Reminds you of daddy all the oh, time. That's it makes something daddy so would have done. Daddy would have been like, she actually met. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he's so African. I know. Okay, keep going. Roast um. me on the podcast. Do you guys see this melanin's <laughs> melanites? What are your what are your, what are your, what are your, what are your followers called? <laughs> But yeah, before I was <laughs> referred to as dad, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I we did get to know each other through like I guess the mutual friend group, which is like I guess the best <laughs> case scenario because yeah. it's not really direct and I get that takes away the awkwardness because you still get to mm-hmm. know who the person is, but um, it's not very there's no pressure there, mm-hmm. and it was I mean it was a win win situation because we always had to study anyway. Um, so. <laughs> dates are sponsored by uncle uh sam so <laughs> thanks so i bought his valentine's gift with uncle sam <laughs> thank you trump <laughs> but uh yeah i don't even know where i was going with that but yeah it was um you met get, in the anatomy lab yeah because yeah, we had yeah. fun in the anatomy lab we'd be kiki yeah and we'd be learning our classmates would actually get jealous they'd be like you guys are laughing a lot in here yeah <laughs> Having too much fun. I'm like, mind your business. <laughs> we 
this one. The Quester's trying to get his flirt on. Yeah, she's being gay. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, um, just, I guess it worked out because, like, we both had a uh, common interest and just being able to, like, pursue our common interest together yeah. just made it, like, uh, us able to really, mm-hmm. like, solidify the relationship. Yeah. And you do have to, like, plan your schedule around, like, dates and stuff, so... We usually have tests every Friday, and then I like to take Fridays off and then start again on Saturday. So, like, usually if we went on a date, it would have to be, like, after that Friday test or quiz or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we had Valentine's Day. We got lucky because that fell on a weekend. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think we had just taken some exam or something, so we had time. Um, and he planned a wonderful date. Um, so I don't know. You just kind of have to make it. (laughs) You just kind of have to make it work. It's like frustrating because you want to like do more things, I guess. But it's also like setting yourself up for a career and a life, um, where you will be able to like serve humanity and then also, um, hopefully be in a position where you can relax and treat yourself, um, so in the future it'll be different but for now it's kind of like you have to suffer through a little bit but yeah yeah i think we also make the um best of like our situation because like we both like to eat healthy somewhat eh? you more so than i do so like we plan i heard i heard her yelling at you about some wings the other day (laughs) the wing spot without me (laughs) okay sorry i'm sorry lemon pepper hot was busting What was I saying? Like, we, we'll cook together. Um, we'll both go to the gym together. Um, what else do we do? We do actually, like, a good amount of our things yeah. together. Because, I we'll, mean, like, hike. Or, yeah. Or like, even go on jogs. Trail. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just, I guess, figuring out the things that you would do anyway and just doing it with that person mm-hmm. is a good way to spend time with them. Because if you can't, like, intentionally go to, I don't know, yeah. what restaurant, I guess Hooters, and have a date. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But, like, our date would be cooking together. Why did that you night. choose Hooters? <laughs> I don't know. I, the reason I wasn't able to say a restaurant is because it's in Augusta. Yeah. <laughs> not to, not you to shoot. You could have said the bee's knees. You could have said bees knees frog hollow. You all right. Said... I'm not going to crap on bee's knees. There's any business, <laughs> so but don't not... go there for specifically what meal? Their curry. Don't go there for their oh, curry. Yeah. <laughs> for what place? The, the bee's bee. knees. I've never heard of it. They yeah. have good food. We just ordered the wrong stuff. Oh, gosh. Okay, but, so um, what advice would you guys, because you guys are both in medical school, so what would you guys give to people who aren't in medical school dating someone? Because you guys, like, understand Oof. each other's schedules yeah. and your lives. and yeah. I will say I've seen a couple relationships end because um, people who weren't in medical school dating a med student weren't able to, like, understand their schedule, like... It's hard for people to fathom, like, this person is really studying 8 to 12 hours a day. Like, it sounds ridiculous until you're the person doing it. So, people might think there's, like, infidelity going on or you Mm -hmm. just aren't really feeling them like that. But it's like, no, I'm actually studying that much. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it, it can be hard, but I don't know. I can't speak from experience, but I know people definitely do make it work. Like, our best friend Ryan... Um, he sees his girlfriend like what once a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, they see each other all the time. Um, but yeah, they just have to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to FaceTime a lot. Like you have to get creative too. Like people be doing FaceTime dinner date. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's like any long distance relationship. Like you have to make the time and the effort, but you also need to make sure the person that you're with understands that like you do have a crazy schedule and there just has to be a lot of trust. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I 100% <clears throat> agree with what you said. I think, I feel like the only relationships that I've seen that are still like, um, I don't know, I guess continuing <laughs> Um, where the other partner isn't in med school is like relationships in which like the person was married to the person yeah. or was a fiance. Yeah. I mean, in that case, they've they're committed to each other. But um, to anyone I would that is planning on doing med school, I would advise that like. I mean, I don't know if you could change any situation that you're in, but um, your partner also has to have goals and ambition. Like you alluded to, yeah. Ryan, his girlfriend is also getting her PhD. She's not yeah. in you know the mm-hmm. field of medicine, but like she has her own goals and yeah. aspirations. So I guess being with somebody who has goals and aspirations like that uh, in and of itself is like mm-hmm. a key driving um, feature in a relationship to like, I guess, bond the relationship. Because if you both are um, very ambitious and have, um, I guess, achievements that you want to like accomplish, then that's mm-hmm. something that you two can bond over because you are both are aware of how much time, dedication, energy and sacrifice it takes to mm-hmm. um, be able to be successful. So. And um, I don't even think you have to be in, like, similar fields, like, both exactly. being in science or medicine, but um, you definitely need to have a mutual understanding. Exactly. Um, I think that both... goes with communication. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think having a partner who um, maybe isn't working or doesn't really have any aspirations would be hard if you're in med school because mm-hmm. they're all just always more so waiting around on you. Yeah. And as she was saying, if you're cooped up in a room studying for 12 hours, it's hard for yeah. them to understand the concept that you're really mm. doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it also, sounds crazy. Yeah, exactly. It does sound crazy. But I also think, like, the sacrifice shouldn't only be on the partner who's not in med school. Mm-hmm. Um, because true. if you guys have, what, set FaceTime dates for, like, one hour every day, like, you should be on top of your own studying to know like hey at this time on this day like we're supposed to talk obviously like life isn't perfect and things come up and you might have to like move some stuff around but they can't be the only person that's sacrificing because you're in Mm -hmm. med school it kind of has to be on both ends too so yeah yeah so um i guess okasi this is more for you so Mm -hmm. for at our school we have zero black men in our class Um, not one, none, Sarah. And not there's like albino? a huge shortage. What? What'd you not, say? Not even nope. albino. I wish. No, <laughs> none. Um, so, and there's like a huge shortage of black men in medicine. So what, what do you think? Like, what's your opinion and perspective on that? Or do you have one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, our class doesn't even, we have nine, nine of y'all. Yeah. And that's considered a lot. That's a, that's hellas. We have zero. But nine to 25 black women. There's 25 black women. Mm-hmm. About. I, I always get the number We have wrong. seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. MCG we have, we have one of the bigger med schools, though. What class? We have 211. Oh, never mind. Yeah. We don't, they have no excuse. But the state you're in. The state you're in. Yeah, that's true. Um, like, yeah, so you guys have, what, 25 black women? But they had to push for us, too, because in 2015, we were, like, seven. Okay. Or maybe closer to 2012, but mm-hmm. anyways, continue. So yeah. you guys have twenty five black women to nine black men. Still, yeah. that's that's not good. That's yeah. not fifty fifty. Yeah. yeah, I think I I alluded to this uh, statistic. Remember when it was during the um, igniting the dream? I think, or it was igniting igniting the dream. There was an event where we had oh second look where we had uh, minority med students who were accepted come onto campus. Yeah, and I think they said the 
AAMC said that in 1978, more black men were enrolled in medical school than, than in 2014. Now. It's true. Yeah. And, it's I mean, sad. That's an, Yeah, that's very sad. But I think um, when people say that, like, med school is, like, I guess the last piece of the puzzle in context of, like, structural institutional racism, um, lack of opportunity, um, just, like, so many structural factors that are coming that come into play before uh, black males even are able to set up an AMCAS application. There's mm-hmm. like way too many obstacles before we even get to that point. Yeah. Even in uh, Georgia Tech, there was six percent black people in the entire at school Georgia Tech? at Georgia Tech I of like fourteen thousand students, yeah. and about a good proportion of them were also athletes. Mm-hmm. So you can only imagine yeah. the amount of that student- were non-athletes. Yeah. yeah, so you can only imagine the amount of black non-athlete males. That are- <laughs> And then even with that statistics, how many of them are applying to medical school? Yeah. You know, so it's just more so like um, they're in terms of like (laughs) what's wrong with that. I can't pinpoint it, but um, I guess my only solution is to actually try to work for pipeline programs. And Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone does mentorship and I'm a huge proponent of mentorship as well. And I guess speaking with like uh, high schoolers, elementary students, even middle schoolers about thinking about careers that are you know basketball or um rapping or you know something that's more professional it doesn't even necessarily have to be medicine but if we could tell more young black men to think about something that is um, attainable through hard work and not more so luck because the reality is a lot of professional athletes get to where they are because somebody saw them at the right time in the right place yeah rather than you know consistent so same thing with like the medical field see the students at the right time in the right place (laughs) exactly yeah so yeah i mean it's there that's a multifaceted answer but just hopefully being able to like start them off young and let them know there's opportunities at a young age Yeah, like instilling the idea in them early that they can, they can actually yeah. become anything they set their minds to. Mm-hmm. And then with that being said, I know like all of us are African, even within like the black community, most people in the medical field are African. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about that? That actually like just proves the point that you just said right now about instilling the, um, the idea in them that they can do whatever they can because African parents will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you can't do That's if true. you just sit down and focus. <laughs> they all say. There's nothing you can't the do. The second you come out the womb. There's nothing you can't do. And I don't know if it's more so just an African culture thing, but um, that's all that's ever instilled in us. So even when I'm in classes with just Asian and Indian students or even like no black students, it's never been something that's come to my attention because at home, my home base is telling me that, hey, this is not impossible for you. Yeah. Like, this is like something I, I expect you to be the first, I mean, the best student in this class. When we were little, and daddy would be like, You only read the book once. Yeah. You should read it twice. My dad got in a fight with uh, my social studies teacher because my eight wasn't high enough or something like that. He said that it was good, and my dad was like, It was good. <laughs> it was like a night. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. It always reminds me of that story. Yeah. Like, you can uh, always be better yeah. or be doing more you're not doing enough but yeah i just think the issue in america is we don't teach our young black kids that they can do these incredible things and the system of oppression in our society just kind of continues to push people down so i mean i know at both of our medical schools we have programs where we go to like local um high schools and middle middle schools and um, just do like workshops and just not even 
telling them, oh, you should grow up and become a doctor, but oh, you can grow up and fulfill any dream you set your heart to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and honestly, them just like seeing you be in that place, they know Mm -hmm. like, okay, someone looks like me is there. Like, how did they get there? Maybe I can do it too. So representation really, really does matter. Mm -hmm. That's true. So, um, another question, do you guys have any advice for under, I guess we kind of started talking about this, but for underrepresented minorities, well, I guess we can, we can kind of go into, so I guess right now, since we're going through COVID, um, I hope everyone's like able to stay safe and has been doing, coming up with different strategies to get there. Um, I know one thing we heard the MCAT guidelines have changed a little bit. Do you have them? Um, just for those like thinking about applying, um, we were, we thought we'd like discuss with you guys the new guidelines for the MCAT. Um, Dillis, do you want to read those? Yeah. So basically according to the AMC for exams from May 29th to September 28th, um, the exam has been shortened to five hours and 45 minutes. And basically, the scoring of the MCAT will not change. You still are expected to know everything for all of the sections that you would see on a regular eight-hour exam. But basically, it's been shortened, and there's three testing times. And I think there might be a shorter break as well. Um, So, yeah, I guess the reasoning for this is just to have as few people in the testing center um, in the room at one time. so yeah. Yeah. So do you guys have any advice for people? I know we've had some tr- troubles studying at home mm-hmm. with like the space. <laughs> we had an argument about spacing. Um just like with cuz we're all home during this time trying to find study spaces. We can't go to coffee shops, libraries. Mm-hmm. Some people might not have internet access at home and mm-hmm. um so we kind of just want to give you guys some advice about that. Do you guys have any? You want to start off? Yeah, I feel like, I don't know about you, Aquesti, but most of my MCAT studying was done at the library. Mm-hmm. Was that the same for you? No, personally, me, I'm a home studier. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but see, this wasn't when you were home with your family. This was when you lived by yourself, right? So it was quiet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I know people... To give you guys reference, there's six of us in yeah. this house right now. <laughs> African people are loud. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard the stomping, but that was coming yeah. from upstairs. Yeah. African families are very loud. And there's really, no matter what corner of the house you go to, there will be noise. Period. <laughs> um And yeah, I'm a library, coffee shop type person. I can't study in the same space um, for a significant amount of time. Like I need to like move or I like, I don't know, I start to get like anxious or like tired of that spot. Um, So yeah, I guess um, I would say for people studying for the MCAT right now, if you set up like, I guess a designated study area and honestly leave your phone out of the room like leave the distractions out set a time period from this time to this time um i'll be studying and know exactly what you're gonna study in that time period um because i know some people might be thinking oh the exam is three hours shorter like i can slack like i'm not gonna have that many more Mm -hmm. questions but i mean you never know what exam you're gonna get when you walk in that room Mm -hmm. so honestly i would still be taking eight hour full lengths because the more stamina you have 
it'll be easier to even take a five hour exam compared to an eight hour exam that you're normally used to. So I would just say, honestly, increase the intensity and still try to come out with the best score possible during these hard times and take care of yourself. Like set a study schedule around like um, self-care um, and taking care of your mental and physical health as well. Um, like every day at 5 p.m. I try to like get away from the books and like do something active. And so I like try to frame my study schedule around that just to, you know, sometimes you need to get away and make sure you're not getting burnt out. But yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think I, I was actually lying earlier. I did. I was I was at home when I um, was studying. Oh, with your family. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I took it before I left. <laughs> yeah. Um, personally, with my family, I I had to like sit them down, not literally, but like tell them that hey, you know, I'm getting ready for this very long, arduous process. I need you guys to be quiet from this time to this time. Obviously, they didn't listen as well as yeah, <laughs> they no. could. But um, I also realized that just being able to wake up early in the morning and start off what I wanted to do, or I guess start my my day off early really helped. I would be able to, like I guess, wake up around 8 or 9 a.m. and get at least five to six hours of studying in before my sisters or would wake up and start making noise or my... Um, mom or dad would get back from work and the house would be just complete chaos um so trying to figure out like what was best or ideal for me and letting them know also that like during this time frame you're also very busy so or um very focused so to not um distract you i mean if they're going to be allowed at least the very least they could um choose to not distract you or yeah. come bother you during that time frame that you've set for yourself and in addition, I, I remember you saying something about like some people may not have access to Wi-Fi or um, mm -hmm. like if they have like certain challenges that are at the house. Um, as you set your study schedules, it's possible that, I mean, now you can have um, wireless access at Chick-fil-A's, um, McDonald's, anywhere. So if let's say you set up a schedule, it's easy for you to go to these restaurants and use the Wi-Fi to download any videos or any resources you may need so that when you are at home and studying, you won't consistently need wi-fi access because you've already have the materials or um, items that you need to do your studying so just trying to get creative and trying to figure out uh, ways to um, i guess be prepared and plan ahead for any obstacles that may uh, come up as you are um, going about your studies is uh, i guess something i would also advise yeah one thing i would add with that um, when you do like if you are with a family too or not by yourself, roommates, whatever, I would sit them down and like tell them your goals too. Just because sometimes, especially in this situation, it's kind of hard to motivate yourself. But if the people you're with like know your goals, mm -hmm. they can be like, hey, what good. are you doing? It's been three <laughs> yeah. days. It's why are you on the couch true. still? <laughs> yeah, why are you still watching Love is Blood? <laughs> Very good. yeah like yeah so i think too like just having because like i know for us like at school um it's easy to walk by the study rooms and see people like studying and you're like dang like well, i haven't i haven't even opened my book back today and they look like they got here at seven in the morning yeah, yeah so and that kind of like motivates you like okay i need to get together but like i feel like now we don't actively have like yeah that constant reminder <laughs> until like the day before a test you're like okay dang um so like yeah with anyone at home studying trying to finish out the end of the semester i think just being cognizant of your goals and relaying that to people around you um because it's hard to motivate yourself so if you have people around you like motivating you or 
maybe like you want to start working out you, you're not working out have friends you can facetime do a facetime workout um mm-hmm. just little things like that like what they were saying like be creative i think that's one thing that this has taught a lot of people is you have to be creative being mm-hmm. stuck in the house for um this long period of time yeah yeah because how many th- last little things you want to get off your chest mm-hmm. um, i I've been talking so much. Do you have something? No, I guess um, being consistent in the process. I saw a quote today um, that someone shared on Instagram. And it basically along, it, was, it said a lot, something along the lines of like, the people who are successful aren't the ones who are usually the best at something. It's just the people who are the most consistent. Mm-hmm. So just being consistent with um, the goals you've set, um, understanding uh, the things you want to achieve by the end of the year, maybe in a year or two mm-hmm. or even five years from now, however mm-hmm. long you've set, just know that uh, consistency is key as cliche as that sounds and um, having a daily routine and plans to set in place in order to keep that consistency mm-hmm. is very important mm-hmm. and I guess I would just add to that whether you're um, trying to get into med school or you're currently in med school like you always kind of have to remind yourself why um, you decided to pursue this career in the first place um, because it's a really like strenuous, long haul process to even get into medical school and then to just continue to push yourself um, through like the light at the end of the tunnel seems very far. Um, <laughs> so, um, you you kind of have to keep perspective and keep reminding yourself like I feel like I would say for the most part, like we all have a dedication to like serving the people. Um, mm-hmm. Who can't really um, do for themselves, basically just being there yeah. um, and fighting for minorities and their health care and just having the ability to kind of make a difference in this world. And it might feel like what you're doing will only make a footprint of a difference in this world. But if you are able to change at least one person's life with your care, mm-hmm. like you already made like such a huge contribution to humanity so just kind of like keeping perspective i mean honestly sometimes i'll pull out my personal statement (laughs) i gotta be like why am i here why did i do this to myself remind yourself (laughs) and then i'm like i remember my grandma i remember my aunt and i remember you know all the people who the healthcare system has mistreated and all the people um Mm -hmm. who haven't gotten um the care that they need you know yeah yeah well thank you guys i loved having you guys on the show so the last um segment is our hidden jemison and i think aquesi alluded to it earlier he did um i'll let him explain his program in case anyone's interested yeah yeah um so the program i did um at the national institute on aging was under a program or the nih national institutes of health it was called the um, IRTA program, so I-R-T-A, which was the Intramural Research Training Award. You go on the website, you type in NIH IRTA, I-R-T-A, and um, it takes you to the, I guess, the application site. And there's just paragraphs of information as to what the program is. But basically, you get um, to choose between one or two years of research in any particular field of research that you want, actually, because the NIH does almost every field of um, medicine and like health and even neuroscience or psychology. So um, I submitted an application through their database and received a call from uh, one of the scientists at the NIA who actually went to our medical school at Medical College of Georgia. 
and he's now in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, leading research in Alzheimer's research. So uh, that was a wonderful opportunity that I was able to partake in. And you can get your work published, um, work alongside leading scientists. And um, the wonderful thing about the program is that it's called an intramural research training award because it's meant to get you to the next level of whatever you're planning on doing. Um, the program is meant for people who are during taking a transition year or taking a gap year and trying to figure out if they want to pursue a PhD or an MD. So in addition to being a part of the program, there are MCAT resources, there's um, pre-med, just general pre-med um, ad advising that can be offered in addition to just um, other invaluable resources that you'd have to pay for. But in this context, you're getting paid to do research and you, ha you have free access to these resources. So I was able to take or um, do mock interviews with the uh, one of our coordinators at the um, department, National Institute on Aging, for free. And she was able to critique my, um, my interviewing skills and help me improve when I started getting interviews. And that was something that the program just offered for me just because it was a transitional year program. And they did it for all the other students as well who needed whatever, um, I guess, resource that was most beneficial to the field of, uh, I guess, profession that they were going to go into after the year or two that they were at the NIH. So if anyone's interested in that, I would highly recommend that program. Awesome. What's the application look like? Um, so the application, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I could pull it up, but I know for sure you'll have to write an essay, uh, about a page and a half of previous research experience. And if you don't have previous research research experience, at least what you are interested in researching and for uh, what reason. I think you need two letters of recommendation from either um, any professional really that you are um, have a close relationship with that can um, advocate for you and um, speak well of your abilities to learn or your curiosity for learning. And in addition to that, I'm trying to see, oh, you'd have to submit a CV or resume as well. Mm -hmm. So a CV resume um, application essay um, detailing why or what you want to do in medicine and then two letters of rec. Do they um, prefer people who've done research in the past or it's not, it doesn't really matter? So when you submit your applications to the database, there's um, hundreds of scientists who can choose from your application. Uh, so okay. it's not more so people who've done research in the past, but if a particular PI, they're, they're called private or <laughs> private <laughs> principal investigators, that's mm -hmm. the head of the lab. And um, if they're particularly interested in what you've done in the past or are at least interested in what your goals are, if you want to do re Alzheimer's research because you have been affected by it through maybe family members who've been affected by Alzheimer's, um, they'll reach out to you and offer you a position in their lab. Or sometimes you can do the reverse and you can personally reach out to them and they'll go and look, in your, look at your application on the oh. database. So um, to answer your question, I don't think there's a preference for people who've done research, mm -hmm. but it won't hurt. It, yeah. Like if you have it on your application, they can only help you. Okay. Well, thank you guys for being on our show. We appreciate it. Um, hope everyone's able to stay safe and um, do doesn't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Well, bye. <laughs>